0: tired of that old pawn shop guitar then ring in the new year in style at Guitar Center test drive from hundreds of different makes and models like the Ibanez G10 series Bender Strats and Tellies, Epiphone Les Pauls and Gibson SGs at Guitar Center we have a friendly and knowledgeable staff that will help you get the rig you most certainly deserve so head on down to 8601 Sheridan Boulevard in Nevada we are open Monday through Fridays 10 to 9 Sundays 11 through 7 or browse and shop online at GuitarCenter.com
1: and what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of that Respect the Combat podcast, episode 130. First off, we would like to apologize for not being here last week for you guys. Unfortunately, we had a few things come up. Life is life, so that is what happened. But we are back. We are unfortunately down a man this week. It is just me and Trico due to Don having to handle some personal matters. But let alone me and Trico still have a lot to break down. We'll be reviewing NXT Great American Bash and the horrible debut that was gable steveson as well as going over ufc 291 previewing summer slam this weekend and a lot lot more so stay tuned and we'll be right back
0: hey everyone are you looking for the best streaming service to put in your library well Dizzy plus hulu and espn plus are putting together the ultimate streaming team get the best stories from Dizzy plus get the largest streaming tv library from hulu and miss sports from espn plus that they are better together in all three. So get all three today for twelve ninety nine a month. For more information about the Dizzy Bundle, go to DizzyPlus dot Bundle and just sign up now
1: and what's up everybody welcome to episode 130 of that respect the combat podcast my name is eric goldstein i am your host today we appreciate you all taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to us nutcases talk about everything that we know and love and i'm not here alone obviously i am joined by my co-host my brother my cohort as you can say mr trico forlton how are you doing bud I'm excited for Saturday because um I'll be driving in my Black Mustang on the way to the motor city for the biggest party of the summer. Wait, hang on. You're going to Detroit for SummerSlam? Not really. I just want to get your attention. Oh, okay, oh, 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 okay. Okay. You got me jealous for a second. But <laughs> <What? laughs> with that being said, let's hop into these mainstream highlights, shall we? Let's get it. To stop to start off these mainstream highlights, um, formerly known as Kalisto, Samurai Del Sol made his Impact Wrestling debut last weekend during Impact taping. As you all know, Samurai Del Sol has been doing a lot of work on the indies, mainly AAA. He's recently done work in AEW. He has a lot of entrepreneurialship businesses that he is also involved in that I know about that I probably will not mention here. Obviously, he's been very busy since he left WWE. He has not been the lazy one at all. What do you got? Uh, say about that, Trico. Lately, Impact has a uh, has a good
0: roster. And better storyline, if I can say that much.
1: I agree. I definitely agree with that. Um uh, now when you say better storylines, I mean I don't want to pin them two together. I mean, but they're always being pinned together. Better storylines than WWE or better storylines than AEW or better storylines than both. I would say definitely more than WWE. You think AEW has better storylines than impact? Not better than Impact, as far as for okay. AEW.
0: Okay. I mean, you Moving have your to- storylines what well, when it comes to
1: dynamite, and you have your storylines when it comes to collision. Right. No, I get what you're saying. Speaking of Dynamite, we saw someone pop up this week on Dynamite. Mr. RVD Rob Van Dam is in AW and he is in AEW specifically for one Mr. Jack Perry because he does not like all the crap talk that he's been doing on ECW. Now we have it official for next week that RVD will be facing Jack Perry for the FTW title.
0: That's right. He is officially Mr. Wednesday Night. To be truthfully honest, I'm glad it's happening next week because I don't think it would have felt right if they would have done it all in. Maybe all out, but I think next week is good.
1: No, I agree. I definitely think this would be more so of a TV match than anything else. I think, honestly, for both of those pay-per-views, they just need to do a lot more storyline build, but that's for another conversation. Either or, I'm happy to see RVD. He does not look like he's aged a bit. I mean, yeah, his hair's gotten a little grayer, but, like, am I crazy here, or am I telling the truth? I mean, look at Billy Gunn, Dustin Rhodes. I'm starting to wonder, though, with RVD, is it because of all the weed he smokes? You cannot estimate the power of weed. (laughs) Do not underestimate the power of God's green earth, but (laughs) anywho... We also have a new AEW Women's World Champion, as Hukaru Shida defeated Tony Storm this past Wednesday as well at Dynamite 200, and is now a two-time AEW Women's World Champion. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't think giving her the Women's World title was a bad decision, but do you agree with how they've been booking Tony as a champ? Because this is now the second time where she's held the title, she's dropped it within under 100 days. First of all,
0: congratulations to akar Shia, who is now a two-time champ. And in case you guys didn't know, that the first time that she held the title, and she is currently still the longest-reigning champion out of all the past champions there are. So she still hold that record there. She held that title under the pandemic. So I think it felt right for her to get another reign that she could get in front of the crowd. So I think that was a good decision there. And you should know with Tony Khan, anytime there's a special episode, you already know something special is going to happen and maybe a new title change. So you kind of expect that 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 was going to happen. As far as Sheeta's second title reign, I don't think it's going to last long. as our first reign did. I don't see Tony Stone getting the title back. Maybe they will put the title on Soraya if I had to take a guess. When it's going to happen, maybe at All-In because All-In is going to be in London. So it kind of makes sense for Soraya to win the title there. That is just my booking because we only got one match for All-In so far, which we'll get to that in a second. I'm just giving my booking and uh, and ideas for the women's title scene going into All In and possibly All Out. So that is my opinion.
1: No, and I completely agree with everything you're saying. I mean, I could definitely see Soraya possibly getting a title match at All In London just because it's in London. And then, you know, just to give her the hometown rub, like maybe do a title change. I could definitely see that happening just because Tony Khan's that type of booker. If you like everything you're hearing, hey, follow us on social media, Instagram, Thread, TikTok, at Respect the Combat. On Twitter, at RTC Podcast One. Follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Google Podcasts. Follow us everywhere. We're going on YouTube soon. Moving on. The first match of All In has finally been announced. I'm surprised. He announced a match longer out than a week before the pay-per-view. I say that jokingly. But the first match we have booked for all in London will be MJF versus Adam Cole for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. And the only question I have for you, Trico, is this. How much longer do you think till the heel turn happens?
0: I think the better question is, who's going to turn on
1: who? Is it MJF or Adam Cole? I think MJF is going to be the one that turns. Just because you know MJF has already got the heel energy, I personally can see him being the one that turns. You know how schemy of a manipulator MJF is. You know how he likes to play mind games. I feel like this is nothing but just one big mind game. I got another question. Where does Roger Strong fit into all of this? The pissed off third wheel. Okay, but um... I mean that's my personal opinion on that. I just feel like he's the sad third wheel on the on the end. Just like what the hell's going on here? Like you're supposed to be my best friend, not his best friend. You know what I mean? But we'll see how it goes in the next
0: couple of weeks.
1: Oh, yeah. 100%. Personally, I feel that MJF is going to turn on Adam, and then Adam's going to try to go to Roderick and apologize. And Roderick's basically going to be like, screw you. I tried telling you all this. You didn't listen to me. Now you can deal with this on your own.
0: Yeah, But it's going to be very interesting. However they go in the next uh, couple weeks. And then where does the world title scene goes? And where does CM Punk comes in with that real world championship?
1: You know what I think they're going to do? I think, honestly, they're going to pull a WWE. And I think they're going to make a second world title just to appease Punk. I'm just, I'm I'm predicting it right now. I personally think. Tony Khan is going to make CM Punk his own world title to defend on collision just to appease him
0: or maybe That's- they do a
1: undisputed championship match maybe But honestly, I've seen way too many of those now. Anywho, moving on before we get too off topic. The Elite have re-signed multi-year deals with AEW. And just in case you've been living under a rock or don't watch YouTube, The Elite are made up of Hangman Page, Kenny Omega, Matt, and Nick Jackson. They're also the originators of All Elite Wrestling. I hate to say it like this, but there would be no All Elite Wrestling if it wasn't for those four. So, the fact that these four now have re-signed multi-year deals with the company is good. Reason why I made the comment of in case you're living under a rock or not watching YouTube, they have a weekly series called Being the Elite. It is something that I have literally watched religiously. I've been following them since the beginning. So that's where I say that if you don't understand the term The Elite when I say them, then obviously you're living under a rock or a WWE fanboy, one of the two.
0: And I think it's a good move
1: because
0: even though Triple H would have liked to sign The Elite, but with everything going on on the other side, I think it's best for them to stay at AEW.
1: No, I agree too. I I think if they went over to WWE that they would just be getting some stupid ass characters and they would get buried into the mid-card. That's just my personal opinion. Speaking of WWE, someone's in trouble again. Someone did something naughty. And when I say someone, I think y'all know who I'm talking about. Hello, Vince. And when I say Vince, I mean Vince McMahon had a search warrant put out for his arrest back on July 23rd without any disclosed details. Now, reason why this was made public is because when WWE was making reports for the month, it was reported that on July 23rd, a subpoena was issued as well as a search warrant for Vince McMahon. Now, like I said, the details have not been disclosed. Here's my prediction. The last few weeks, there's been a bunch of indictments with Trump. Trump and Vince McMahon are very close. I think Vince McMahon has something to do with one of those indictments. Not saying that he's the one that helped get Trump indicted. I think he has something to do with why he got indicted. And that's why now he's getting subpoenaed. Thoughts, Rico?
0: All I can say about this is when the WWE and Endeavor deal happens, it's all over. I'm just telling y'all right now, and we just <laughs> better get ready for it. No matter how much stuff that we want to put on Vince and everything, but when the WWE and, and Endeavor deal happens, it's all over, and you and you know why that deal happens. Just that Vince can stay in control and in power.
1: Yeah, I know, but me personally, I think that if he starts bringing too much heat to himself, then I just think they're gonna tell him to leave because they're not going to want that type of they're not going to want that type of press or media on them but anywho speaking on a more positive note hey are you looking to take your next vacation to hawaii or texas or montana or wherever the heck you feel like going ar- across the u.s contact vicky guerrero she's now a travel agent i'm not joking she actually made a post on her instagram she is now actually a travel agent
0: thoughts rico I mean, it's good to do something outside of wrestling uh, paycheck, if you know what I'm saying. Cause like most of us have like different jobs, uh, and then some of us, you know, like to do opportunities because sometimes you you may not get the same paycheck like you would do a, at another job.
1: So um, congratulations to Vicky on being a travel agent. Yep. And then moving on from that, another W you can say for Jake Paul as undisputed featherweight boxing champion Amanda Serrano has now joined PFL in their super fight division. Thoughts, Trico? I'm excited for that one. Yeah, no, that should definitely be interesting. I'm definitely intrigued to see what she she can do in an MMA ring. And then probably the one... Mainstream topic that I'm looking a bit forward to talking about, Paul Heyman, in my best terminology, went savage mode in an interview with Stephen A. Smith this week when he was on SportsCenter First Talk with Roman Reigns promoting SummerSlam. Just out of curiosity, Trico, did you see that interview? Yes, I did. Oh, dear God. So then you already know what I'm about to talk about. So Stephen A. Smith, in part of the interview, actually was asking Paul, what is it like with the job? You know, there aren't many jobs where when I look at people, I'm like, man, I wish I had that job. But yours, I genuinely do. What does someone need to fill a role like yours? And his exact words were, because I'm the GOAT. I'm the greatest of all time. I'm the best at what I do. What was funny is that then Stephen A. Smith is like, what about Bobby Heenan? Without hesitation, he says, He's a scumbag and he's dead without even hesitating. And then goes on to say, and Jimmy Hart is still breathing. So obviously God has no morals, which that one had me shook. I'm just like, this man gives no, this, this man gives no flying fudge. What so freaking ever about what comes out of his mouth. He don't care if he he don't care if he's on live television. He don't care if it's on a YouTube series. He don't care if it's you recording it on your phone. He's going to say whatever's on his mind. And I love him so much for it. Rico, thoughts. I mean, let me ask you a question: If
0: you was a wrestler, who would you have as your manager?
1: You got a point there. He is he 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 is the greatest manager. Like he is one of the greatest managers of all time. Like I'm not gonna doubt that whatsoever. I guess you could say I just kind of wish I had the. I mean, I know I have some pretty big cojones, but I kind of wish I had the cojones that that man had. <laughs> Anywho, speaking of more, speaking of more so of a wwe basis we are now going to be moving out of the mainstream highlights and into our first main topic which is the nxt great american bash overall i gotta say that this pay-per-view was quite good but there's one match in particular me and trico are going to break down here real quick just because it was extremely underwhelming trico you want to start this off or should i
0: let's go through the, the match order in um from the first match all the way to the main event
1: okay So to start things off, we had a kick on the kickoff show. We had Meta 4. I still can't get over that one. Going against Nathan Frazier, Dragon Lee, Ulysses Leone, and I can't remember the last woman's name. But overall, it was a very fun match. Um, Honestly, a very, very, very good match, especially for a kickoff show match. It was overall very entertaining. Dragon Lee ended up going over and getting the pin. And then to kick off the show, we had the family uh, consisted of Tony D'Angelo and Channing Stacks Lorenzo against Gallus for the NXT Tag Team Champions. And they finally brought some gold to the family. They brought the gold to the family. Honestly, very entertaining match overall. I can't believe I'm actually now a fan of Tony D. A few months ago, I was talking the utmost crap about him. I hated his character. I thought it was just a knockoff ripoff of Tony Soprano. And now, now I love his character. Now I love the story. Now the story has me invested. And I'm wondering what in the hell they did to make me this invested all of a sudden. But they have me invested. And then... Roxanne Perez defeated Blair Davenport in a Weapons Wild match, which that match was also very good and very entertaining. Blair Davenport was giving zero fucks whatsoever, beating Roxanne Perez right in front of her mom and little sister. And overall, like I said, very entertaining match. And now the match that was probably the most underwhelming match of the night, Gable Stevenson versus Baron Corbin that ended in a double countout. Trico Takeover, I need a minute.
0: If I could say, not a good one.
1: It was just completely underwhelming. The character development wasn't there. He obviously was still a bit too green. And then just the fact that they ended it on a double count out. And then also Baron Corbin was actually getting cheered. That man hasn't been cheered in years. I that mean, that mean,
0: was, was, the was, was, was the most bad.
1: exciting part of the match. He roots. Thank God. Yeah, no, I'm. Very happy that he went back to his original roots. I'm very happy that he got rid of this whole Money Corbin character. It was freaking stupid from the get-go. And I'm very glad now he's going back to his old... Moving on, Dirty Dominic Mysterio defeated Wesley and Mustafa Ali for the NXT North American Championship. He retained his championship. I believe this storyline is going to be played out with Mustafa Ali a little bit, just because he obviously had the pin, and then Raya pulled him out, and then, you know, Dominic hopped in and took the pin. So I definitely think this storyline is probably going to play out a little bit more on NXT t- TV. And then Tiffany Stratton defeated Thea Hale in, in in a submission match for the NXT Women's Championship. I ain't even going to lie. I'm going to actually praise Tiffany a little bit here. Just because she she pulled out a lot more submissions than I thought she would be able to do. I did not realize that her repertoire was actually that high. And that actually shocked me a bit. And then in a very, very entertaining physical match... Carmelo Hayes defeated Eli Dragonoff to retain the NXT championship. Like I said, overall, the entire pay-per-view was very entertaining. It was very fun to watch, minus Gable Stevenson versus Varing Corbin, but hopefully NXT works on that a little bit. Trika, what are your thoughts on the pay-per-view overall?
0: This was a great American bash. Not too bad and not too great at all either. Let's see what they can do at the end of September when NXT presents uh, No Mercy. And
1: uh, why did NXT gain all the old-school pay-per-views saw lately? Probably because he doesn't want to keep on counting up the takeovers all the way up to like 100. So now he's using like all the old-school pay-per-view names for NXT pay-per-view names instead. That's just my opinion. Again, guys, if you all like what you're hearing so far, make sure you check us out on socials. Make sure you follow us at Respect the Combat on Instagram, TikTok and threads at on twitter make sure you're following us at rtc podcast one follow us on all our social on all of our podcast platforms so that then you can find out when the newest episodes are uploaded before anyone else and yeah show us some love moving on from wrestling now moving into the mma world of things we're going to be reviewing ufc 291 overall was a pretty fun event This is normally where Don A's would take over just because he has a bit more knowledge on MMA than me or Trico. But, you know, alas, such is life. We are here and I'm going to do it. So speaking of just some of the main topics of what happened throughout the night. Justin Gaethje ended up defeating Daniel Poirier in the second round with, I think it was either a minute remaining or a minute into the second round, I'm not sure which, but he ended up defeating him with a left roundhouse kick right across the head, and he is now the new baddest motherfucker in the world. After the match post-interview, he stated that you know he was very happy that he was able to redeem this win against Daniel Poirier, and he now has his eyes set on the light heavyweight title. Afterwards, when he was actually backstage, he had a couple of comments to make to uh, one Conor McGregor. He called him out because, I mean, McGregor was talking a bunch of shit like he normally does. And McGregor was saying, oh, Poirier is going to knock you out. You're going to get knocked out, blah, 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 blah. And you know, that's not what happened. And Gaethje ended up knocking out Poirier in the second round. And now he's calling him out for a fight. So we might now be seeing Justin Gaethje versus Conor McGregor in the near future. And, that, and then on top of that, we see. Oh yeah, no, that will actually even be a match I would like to watch just because, oh dear God, I want to see if Connor can still go or if he's become a little bit slouchy. That's just me though. I ain't hoping that he's slouchy, but we'll see. And then speaking of light heavyweight, Alex Perea also moved up to light heavyweight and in his first bout in the light heavyweight, he just barely escaped by, ended up winning by a judge's decision. And now Moving out of the MMA realm and now back into the wrestling realm. I don't have a transition here. I'm trying to think of one lucrative transition. Here we go. We are now going to preview SummerSlam going on Saturday. And oh boy, I'm trying to figure out which I'm trying to figure out which pay-per-view has a better build, WrestleMania or SummerSlam. Cuz I'm invested in every last one of those matches. I'm sorry. I am. What would you say, Trico? Is some of your most anticipated matches coming up this weekend?
0: I would say the the tribal combat match for the undisputed uh, WWE Universal Championship.
1: Yes. The,
0: uh, World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, yes. Ricochet versus versus Logan Paul and the Intercontinental Championship match.
1: Yes. All matches I am also looking forward to. I mean, tribal combat. I mean, the build there has been for three goddamn years. Talk about long-term storytelling done right. We already know it's going to be a very brutal match. We know it's going to be extremely physical. The question is, though, can Jey Uso finally overcome the Tribal Chief? Well, and then, then for Jey Uso, he is 4-0 and
0: at SummerSlam. Oh, I didn't realize that. And also Charlotte is 5-0 and at SummerSlam.
1: So you think we're going to be seeing an and new women's champion? Well, somebody's streak is going to get broken. Yes, yes, I agree. And then also one of the matches I'm very much looking forward to, just because two big beefy men just going to be beating the crap out of each other. <laughs> Drew McIntyre versus Gunther. Oh my god, that match is going to be so good. Like I'm getting excited just talking about it right now. Just, ee! I'm so excited. That match is gonna be so much hard hitting, so many chops. So many chops. Why am I getting this excited over violence? I think the question is, will the record continue or is it gonna end? Honestly, I don't know. I really don't. I personally think I personally think it's gonna continue, but we can only wait and see, really. And then Logan Paul versus Ricochet. Yeah, no, that that is gonna be an absolute high flying barn burner of a match. As much as people want to like talk crap on Logan Paul. He has picked up on the sport very quickly, and I genuinely think if there's anyone in WWE that could be his physical match as far as, like, speed, it's Ricochet. And then, honestly, one other match I'm looking forward to, oh, my God, I didn't realize this. Did you know Ronda Rousey versus Shayna Baszler is an MMA rules match? I did.
0: They announced that on Monday. Which uh, I didn't realize that. Which I'm okay with. I would rather have them be a fight pit match but mma rules
1: fine yeah no i definitely i'm also looking forward to that match i definitely think that them two are probably going to be having a good match at SummerSlam as well and with all that being said we will be right back built ford tough It isn't just a slogan, it's an attitude that runs deep in the history of Ford truck engineering and has produced America's popular lineup of rugged and dependable Ford pickups. That lineup is even bigger and more affordable with the 2020 Ford Ranger. Tested under conditions more extreme than you would ever likely encounter. Ford engineers set a grueling test regimen to prepare the new Ford Ranger for the demands of all-terrain travel. Durability trials on roads so punishing that robots were called in to do the driving. Days of constant shaking in the lab to help identify and reduce squeaks and rattles and to tune suspension parts and body mounts for durability and performance. The 2020 Ford Ranger, it's more than up to the challenge of taking on your toughest test. You can find the new Ford Ranger as well as our entire 2020 roundup at Ford.com. Ford, over 40 years of built Ford Tough. And just like that, we are back from break. And if you haven't heard me say it enough, make sure you're following us on social media, Instagram threads and TikTok at respect the combat and on Twitter at RTC podcast one. Follow us on all our podcast platforms. Find out when our podcasts are getting posted before everyone else. I'm probably going to say this another three times before we're done. Trico, how you feeling? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, I just realized my second cup of coffee just kicked in. My caffeine's now kicking in, and that's not good because of my ADHD. But moving into our next topic, for our weekly discussions, as we have discussed in the past, we are now doing open discussion weeks, where this week, seeing as we are in lieu of SummerSlam this weekend, we are doing a flashback to what me and Trico like to call the best SummerSlam of the Ruthless Aggression era, which was SummerSlam 2002. My God, just talking about this gives me nostalgia. Don't you say that? would not you say that, Trico? Absolutely. So just to highlight some of the things that happened that night, just in case some of you guys need a little bit of a refresher. That was the night when Brock Lesnar had defeated The Rock and he became the youngest world heavyweight champion in WWE history. Now, SummerSlam 2002, that was right around when Brock had first started with WWE. Everyone was still getting a feel for him. And I mean... Personally, I feel like WWE booked him perfectly. Like, to book him as, like, you know, this just monster of a man who just has undeniable power um, over everybody. I mean, I remember even from the pay-per-view, you know, Rock comes out, Brock is already in the ring, he lays out the belt, and he's just, like, you know, getting all pumped, just like, yeah, I'm about to lay out of so fast. And then, you know, he runs full speed to the ring, and he smacks this man, like, he f- he actually hits this... He hits this man about three, four times, and then Brock just grabs him and hits him with a, with a belly-to-belly suplex. Like, it's nothing. Like, there is a reason why this man sells t-shirts called now called With Suplex City written on it. Yes, the moniker was created by Paul Heyman, technically, but there's a reason why. Because this man has such an arsenal of suplexes, it's not even funny. It was an 18-minute match, I believe, between him and The Rock. I miss when Brock used to do matches like this. I miss when he actually used to have competitive matches with people and they weren't just freaking burials. Like, I miss these types of matches. I miss when Brock would go like 15, 20 minutes and actually have it as a competitive match. You know, minus the one match that he had with Kurt Angle at WrestleMania where he damn near gave himself a concussion. But, you know, still, I miss classic Brock. I understand he's older now. I understand now, you know, he has other priorities. But at the same time, it's like, you know... I would like to see, you know, some of these matches, which is actually why I've been liking the whole Cody Rhodes Brock Lesnar feud because Cody's actually been actually been giving us good matches with him. Anywho, Trico.
0: So uh, while we talk about the main event of that night, I'm still overwhelmed that we never got a rematch between the two. But um, the first time well, was great, and um, you know, The Rock he will always uh put over a newcomer which uh, um, had the same, how I say, resemblance of him because when The Rock won his first world title, I think it was at 27. And then uh, when Brock won the world title that night, he won it at 24. So that's a a huge uh, accolade there still that Brock Lesnar still has, that he's still the only guy to win the world title at a young age. No one has ever made that accolade uh, uh, yet. So that's one accolade that Brock Lesnar still has. In that match, there was a lot of mixed reactions going into there. But there was some booze going for The Rock because after this um he was leaving going back to Hollywood to film I think was I think was The Walking Tall. No, not The Walking Tall, um The Rundown. I think that yeah. was Yeah, I think it was The Rundown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that was his um his second um feature that that with a big role after The Scorpion King. So so yeah. yeah. Rock became the youngest uh, world champion uh there and um they built him great ever since the raw after WrestleMania 18. Um he had Paul Heyman in his corner. Then he he would go on to win King of the Ring defeating RVD.
1: Yeah. So well, like I said, overall his overall his build has just has been great. It really has. WWE did a great job with that. And now moving back down the card, uh, we'll be there was also the singles debut, or the singles pay-per-view debut, my bad, of Rey Mysterio. That was actually the first pay-per-view that Rey Mysterio had wrestled on. He was wrestling Kurt Angle. Going up to this, uh, Kurt Angle kind of needed the win, just because he was on a downhill slump right there. Right around this time was when the whole You Suck channels had just started. He wasn't liking it all that much, and he he needed a win. He was promising that he was going to break Ray's ankle. Now, obviously that part didn't happen, But from start to finish, the match was very entertaining. There was great transitions throughout the entire match from both wrestlers. All the close calls, all the close pins, it it was just overall a very great match. And even in a losing effort, WWE still made Ray Mysterio look good in my personal opinion. Trico.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh definitely Raven Studio put up a hella performance against Kurt Angle. But in the end, Kurt Angle didn't win the match. But um but but overall, I think that was the best opener to open up that SummerSlam that
1: year. Oh yeah, 100 percent It was definitely a good match to get the to get the crowd going and get I don't want to say motivated, but get them going and get them hyped up for the rest of the pay-per-view. But I like I said, I feel like it was booked beautifully. I feel like they did a very good job with book with a good first pay-per-view match even though it was in a losing effort they still booked it well and then moving on from that SummerSlam 2002 was also the singles return of Mr. Shawn Michaels and dear god was that match fun him versus Triple H in a no holds barred match dear god it like I still remember how much blood Triple H had and Shawn Michaels uh came out the winner after a roll-up Triple H did not take it very well. And, you know, you remember afterwards, he ended up knocking him out. I legitimately thought, like, was Shawn Michaels actually, like, ko Because, like, I, I kept watching that. I actually, ke- I was actually watching back the footage this morning. And it looked like, you know, Triple H made some genuine contact with that sledgehammer to the back of his skull. Like,
0: when you look at it, he got it him, like, a, in between at the bottom of the neck. Uh, yeah, I know he was trying to aim for the back. When, yeah. Like, if you look at it.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. No, he was definitely it definitely looked like, you know, right between like the bottom of the neck and like like the bottom of the neck and like right above the upper back. But yeah, no, that definitely was a brutal shot that he took. And then the thing I find funny is that 2 weeks after this match, that was when Triple H got just got handed the World Heavyweight title. Just like, "Oh, well, that World Heavyweight Champion went over to this to this show. We need a world champion. Here you go." <laughs> They just Vince Russo that shit.
0: <laughs> yep, going into the uh, to, to that match and <laughs> when uh, Triple H had to make a decision where he was gonna stay on SmackDown or go to Raw, and then Shawn Michaels had the idea of wanting to bring Triple H back to Raw because the NWO was no more, and then they was trying to reform DX, but Triple H like, uh uh-uh, uh, I'm done with that, and then you had that car a- accident, and then that's when. The match uh, was officially announced for SummerSlam. Michael made his return, and what a great return that was. And like you said, afterwards, two weeks after that, Triple H was handed the World Heavyweight uh, Championship because when Brock was still the undisputed WWE Champion, Stephanie McMahon, who was the general manager of SmackDown at the time, signed Brock Brock, Brock Lesnar to the exclusive contract to SmackDown, where he could only defend the title on SmackDown. And then the undisputed title was changed back to the WWE Championship. And then that's when the World Heavyweight title was established on Raw. And then that's where the, I would say, the four-year of the Triple H Ring of Terror have started from 2002
1: to 2005. Yeah, that was when Triple H went on a whole Kevin Nash thing. I hate to put it like that, but he kind of was. He basically was just like, nah, I'm the one going over. Any whoosers moving out of our wrestling flashback and moving into the gaming realm of things. To all of our first shooter fans out there, we are seeing reports that there is a possibility of a Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 trailer dropping next week. They have yet to confirm the game's title. But there have been photos of Monster Energy packaging showing off a new logo for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, a new outfit for popular character Lieutenant Simon Ghost Riley, and advertisements for in-game rewards. First off, whoever at the Monster Marketing team let this leak, you're probably going to get fired. Just just letting you know that now. Sorry, bud, but you're probably going to get fired. Thoughts, Trico?
0: um i'm kind of interested what the story mode is going to be
1: you're interested I mean, to see what I mean,
0: because you have your multiplayer. So uh, that, that's well whatever we already know that but i think uh, what matters here is uh, the 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 storyline uh, of the story mode
1: right right no i agree i mean me personally i'm not really a first person shooter gamer myself Um, But you know, I know that, like you said, with honestly, with games overall, it really just depends on if it has a good story to it. If the game has a good story to it, then it's going to intrigue intrigue the consumer. Um, And then moving on, there is now a new esports league that is offering an educational twist on video gaming. And to go in a little bit more detail about that, uh, the fans for popular video game titles like Fortnite, Rocket League, and Minecraft, there is now a new video game lounge for there is now a new video game lounge for esports players um it's grand opening in dubuque later this month dubuque Dubuki, i think it's called i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing this right if i'm butchering it it's an education-based esports program where kids teens and adults can all meet under one roof to participate in team-centered video games and stem-based activities while building greater social emotional skills Um, If you want to learn, if you want to read this more so in depth, you can read it on telegraph.com slash news. That is where you'll be able to find the article. Trico, have you heard anything about this or no?
0: I mean, if this, if this thing, uh, if this thing going to be very interesting, I would turn in in, into it. But, um, but other than that, uh, I haven't seen really like no. Exciting things that have the uh, the same the, the nostalgia uh, of the e- of the esports. Not that it's bad anything, but just saying.
1: Right. No, I get what you're saying. And then to round out things for today's episode, Bungie has officially filed a lawsuit against 50 cheat developers for Destiny for Destiny Two. And now to go in a little bit more depth, apparently there is a company. I'm not sure if it's a company or just you know a group of kids or a group of teenagers or adults. Who knows who they are? But they've been selling something called Ring One, which is a software that can be used to cheat in Destiny Two. Um, Bungie filed a lawsuit against the cheat developers on August 1st, um, and they basically filed a suit against their continued distribution of Ring One. It named 50 defendants who are accused of copyright infringement, civil Rico racket, which Rico stands for racketeer Influence and corrupt organizations act <clears throat> circumvention of technical measures and violation of the dmca violations of the computer fraud and abuse act breach of contract interference with contractual relations and civil conspiracy so they're going after these guys for quite a bit um my personal opinion i mean if it's really something that bad then i mean yeah you you probably shouldn't have you probably shouldn't have done anything just because you already know what i mean me personally i've always seen it from a personal level if you know what you're doing is illegal it's probably not a good idea to do that that's just what that's just my moral on it if you know it's illegal if you know you're going to get in trouble it's probably not a good idea to do it thoughts trico now what's going to be the future of destiny that's the question I think Destiny will be fine. I personally think that they'll be completely fine because, you know, they always mind their P's and Q's and they always make sure that they stay on top of things. And I've always noticed that. And honestly, they're one of the few games that... I mean, my brother's always talking about, like, every three months they're doing new updates, new storylines to the same game for the online players. And it's like, see, that's how you keep your audience intrigued. That's how you keep them... Intact. That's how you get. That's how you keep your audience playing the game continuously. But anywho, close out today's episode. Like I've already told you guys multiple times before, if you aren't following us on social media, make sure you're following us on Instagram, Threads, TikTok at Respect the Combat. If you're if you're on Twitter, follow us on there at RTC Podcast One. And also make sure you're following us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, YouTube will be coming soon with some amazing content. I want to thank you all for coming out today. I want to thank you all for taking time out of your busy schedules, for listening to us, listening to us ramble, listening to us just talk about what we feel. And with that, I'm Eric. He's Trico. We'll see you all next week. Deuces. Be out.